This crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Eagles and Locked On Chargers podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there for us. Those spicy hot McChickens are my favorite. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Welcome on in, everybody, to another Crossover Thursday edition here on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am Gino Camilleri, host of the Locked On Eagles podcast, joined by Daniel Wade, host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, which both shows should be your first listen of each and every day for your respective teams. I know the Chargers are all loving the Locked On Chargers podcast as well as our friends here at Locked On Eagles. Dan, how are things going over there in Los Angeles? <laughs> well, Gino, as I'm sure you know, it's been a tumultuous three weeks, right? I mean, you had to sit with that Baltimore Ravens loss. That was just a blowout. Then you have the bye week to kind of sit and, you know, let that hang over your head. And then you lose to the Patriots. And for Chargers fans mostly, I mean, the Patriots are just the team, like, outside of the division probably you want to lose to the least, especially after the 45-0 to zero game in 2020. So, Eagles coming off a big win. Chargers coming off a couple of really, really tough losses hoping to bounce back this weekend. Absolutely. And when this game opened up, it was a three-point line, and then it moved to one and a half within a day. So I think this game is two teams that I still don't know totally what they are. And uh, I don't know if that's the sentiment you get there because sure. it looked like the Chargers were off to a hot start, and then things start to fall fall apart a little bit. Kind of has been that way here in Philly, too, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, as far as, like, Philly, looking at the games they've played, I mean, I've, they've kept close with a couple more, right? At least recently, kept it a little close with the Bucks, kept it close for most of that game with the Raiders, and obviously coming off a big one with the Lions. With the Chargers, it's tough because, like, they set the bar for themselves so high. You know, when you start 4-1 and one, and you everyone's talking about how you're a Super Bowl contender now, right, five weeks into the season – then you lay a couple of eggs, and it's like, are they the worst team in the league now? Like, there's just seems like there's no in between right now, no chill from the Chargers fan base. Because, I mean, realistically, when it's all said and done, the Chargers aren't as good as the team that was four and one. And even then, you saw some obvious flaws on the roster. They're still the worst run defense in the league, even at four and one, right? But they're not as bad as they've been the last two weeks either. And I think a lot of that, you know, has to do with the defensive minds they've gone up against. But I do think. There's a sentiment in the Chargers fan base where this is a get-right game for the Chargers, but I do think, first of all, Vegas is always right, right? I mean, they always seem to know something that we don't, but I do think this will be a much closer game than Chargers fans thinks it, think it'll be, and I do think there's some things that the Eagles do well that the Chargers probably should be very aware of going into Sunday's matchup. And that's kind of been the sentiment from all of the crossover hosts, that they believe that it would be a much closer game than – the records say the Eagles are currently the second best team in this division. I don't know how that is possible. <laughs> Simply record wise, they sit above the Giants and Washington, but there is a huge gap between them and Dallas. Right. What is your kind of thoughts on the AFC West right now? I mean, it's a lot of, I, I feel as close as it's been in the past couple of years. And I think those teams are going to kind of separate themselves here in the next couple of weeks. But right now, yeah. everybody's just kind of going head to head. Yeah. And I think 
it's really weird in the AFC right now just because it has been such a rain for the Kansas City Chiefs, such a foregone conclusion, even with a couple of hot starts from the Raiders over the last couple of years. There's never been any doubt that the Chiefs were going to figure it out, right, and then end up atop the division, end up separating themselves from the rest of the pack. And I think that's what's so frustrating for the Chargers over these last couple of games is like you had a chance to really kind of give yourself you know, a stranglehold on the division had you won even one of those games, you set yourself up very nicely. You separate yourself from the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, this is the first year where you're like, are they going to figure it out? You know, like every week you keep waiting for them to kind of click and for things to get better and for them to look like the dominant team that's been to two straight Super Bowls. And you just keep end up seeing a team that, you know, is beating the Giants at home by three points, you know, after an interception gets called back. So, like, they're all flawed teams in this division. And I think when you look at the AFC it's pretty wide open. I mean, the Bills, I think we can say are a good team, right? Then you look at other teams like the Ravens looked really good. Then that smoked by the Bengals, like Bengals looked really good. Then they got beat by the Jets. So like there's so much parity in the division right now that it seems like it's there for the taking. So even the Chargers as a flawed team, that was part of my frustrations of, you know, not making a move. Like even if they wanted to make a move, like bringing in a guy like Fletcher Cox, right? That still would have fixed one of their issues, at least would have helped them along the defensive line and gave them some penetrators, gave them some disruptors there, which they don't really have on the interior at the moment. But when you have this specific example in the AFC West looking as wide open, right, as it's ever looked, like you wanted them to do something with it. But that's just to say anything can happen at this point. But you're right. I mean, I think over the next couple of weeks is where you really can see them separate themselves, right? You will see somebody in the division potentially, you know, take a two-game lead two game advantage in the division I think for the Eagles though I'm at this point in the season I mean at three and five obviously second in their division like does it feel like there's a chance they can make a run after coming off of a win obviously a couple losses before that but like what is the Eagles fan base like what's the temperature over there right now are they feeling like they can actually make some noise right now after that win I honestly, it's it's kind of who you ask, I feel, because yeah. I look at the standings and I was on my plane ride home and I look and I'm like, Carolina's in the, the second or third wildcard spot right now right. at four That's and four. Why, yeah. The Eagles' schedule does open up. It's a lot easier down the stretch as it was to the first eight games that they had played. They played the Lions last week. I think this Chargers game, especially with the Chargers coming east, could play into their hands a little bit more. You have all of your division games down the stretch. I mean, there's a chance. And the thing is, they didn't really move any pieces that they have. And if you could build off of what happened in that Detroit game, yeah, anything can really happen in the NFC where it's like you got the top six and then that seventh spot is for whoever's going to kind of play well down the stretch. I don't know if it's going to be Carolina. I don't know if Minnesota could get right. It is just like one of those. It's just a black hole right now for those yeah. teams sitting at three and five with two games against Washington, two games against the Giants, a game against the Jets. I think you could rattle off four or five wins and I had – them winning seven games, hitting just over that six and a half. Could seven games get you into the playoffs <laughs> in that seventh spot? It could potentially happen. It's not like the AFC where I believe those teams, like you guys with four wins, Kansas City has four wins. Those teams will probably get closer to nine or ten wins to lock up that spot. In that seventh wildcard spot in the NFC right now, you're going to be walking into a gauntlet with whoever you play. One team is going to have to play the sacrificial lamb in that role <laughs> to get into that game. 
I say that this Eagles point of the season right now, especially after the trade deadline, knowing who you have in the building, nobody else is coming in. Reinforcements aren't about to come through those doors. It's the evaluation process for the rest of the season. And if you get good results out of it, I think you're playing with house money. But if not, you kind of see where you have to clean up moving into next offseason. But never say never with this franchise, man. I, after the Super Bowl in 2018, I didn't think they were going to make it. 2019, they, I didn't think that either. And then 2020 was a disaster. I do not know what to expect with this team. Jalen Wrights could Jalen Wrights. Jalen Hurts could get right and turn things around. Nick Sariani could continue to remain hot. The defense could have the best DVOA in football, which they had last week. Moving forward, I just don't know what you're going to get week to week with this team. And even talking to you right now, could they come out and completely lay an egg against the Chargers? It could happen, and I wouldn't even bat an eye. Yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, with the Chargers, you felt like you were never going to really get to that point. And then the last couple of weeks have kind of made you question that. But I mean, at three and five, I mean, three and five sounds so much better than three and six, right? So I do Mm -hmm. think that's what makes this matchup so big, where even though in the standings, the Eagles might not lose a ton of ground and they'd still be alive, right? They could still make some noise, especially with those games that you laid out. But like for the Chargers as well, I mean, this game is pivotal. I mean, four and four doesn't sound nearly as good as five and three, right? I mean, it seems like Mm -hmm. two different worlds right there. And I think for the Chargers, it has been about consistency too. So I think that's one of the things this weekend is just what version of these two teams are going to show up, right? Is it going to be the four and one Chargers that show up or the 0-2 Chargers, right? Is it going to be the Eagles that played against the Lions or the Eagles who have looked really bad against some other teams. So I think that is one of the things that we're going to have to see this weekend. And one of the reasons why I think it's such a close line, right? Just because there is so much uncertainty about who's going to show up on Sunday. This episode of the Locked On Eagles and Locked On Chargers crossover Thursday edition is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates, teammates, study group, or any group of friends can go and get dependable Wi-Fi and endless amounts of McFlurries and french fries win or lose it is a place where teammates competitors and the home team or away team can come to recharge it is a place you always look forward to after a long road trip to get your legs fresh and refuel come after your little league game come after an eagles and chargers game come for a birthday party whatever your road trip is you will find a mcdonald's on the way there as well it's a great place to refuel and did somebody say that we could eventually watch an eagles game at McDonald's with the Locked On Eagles podcast. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Absolutely so, and it's going to be a long flight for the Chargers to get out to Philadelphia, and we will continue this discussion, but right after we talk about how much gas it's going to cost mm-hmm. this team to get from L.A. to Philadelphia, I don't even want to know, but if the airlines are using Get Upside, which would be an absolute con in my opinion, totally. anybody here at the Locked On Eagles podcast or – at the Locked On Chargers podcast or on the Locked On Podcast Network at all can download Get Upside and get 25 cents back for every gallon of gas that they put into their car. I mean, they got to have at least a full tank to get from L.A. to Philadelphia. I've never made that flight, but I'm sure it's not one that I would want to sit on. After a loss or after a win, it's probably much better. But right now, if you use that promo code TOUCHDOWN, you'll get 50 cents back on your first tank of gas when you fill up after that it'll be 25 cents per gallon for those who drive a lot 
you will get up to two to three hundred dollars back per month that you could use in PayPal, Amazon, e-gift cards, and any other brand you can imagine. And it's free. So go to get upside, get the app, and use that promo code touchdown today. All right, everybody, welcome on back to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Eagles and Locked On Chargers edition of the show. I'm Gino Camilleri here, joined by Daniel Wade, where you're making both of our voices the first listen of each and every day in your headphones, in your drive to work, whatever you do, wherever you listen to your podcast, Locked On Podcast Network is there for you. Dan, let's get into some questions on the Chargers. Starting right off the bat, my fans know that Lou and I are big fans of the Chargers. They're probably our AFC team. I'm an e- I'm a Ducks fan at heart, been for now 10-plus years. Justin Herbert is my favorite quarterback to come out of college in the last few years. I told all my Miami friends that they made a mistake drafting Tua, <laughs> and they got Justin Herbert. I want you to tell me what has been the notion of Justin inside that building since he has got there, the leadership just how good his arm is and what he totally can do and how much trust they have with Justin in that building. Yeah. I mean, I think first thing is surprise, right? Because even when you take a guy like that, that high in the draft, obviously you're expecting big things from him, but I mean, there's obviously a ton of questions going into when he was drafted of, you know, what does he bring to the table? What is he lacking in especially leadership? And I think, that has been one of the things that has surprised the Chargers, and that has been kind of a sentiment going around the front office was just him being a leader kind of in his own way. And I think one of the ways he's done that and one of the ways that he's, you know, made his teammates love him is just by being such a hard worker, right? I mean, he's not going to ever be the rah-rah guy. He's not going to be the guy that gets fired up, but he is going to be the guy who's first in the building, last one out of the building kind of thing. And Brandon Staley always talks about the fact that like he's one of the guys, right? And that's kind of the biggest compliment that you can pay a quarterback like Justin Herbert, especially one that has the introvert questions that he got during the draft process. But I think that's been the biggest surprise. But everyone knew the arm talent coming out, right? It was just, what can he do with it? Is he going to be able to fix some of the flaws that have made him, you know, not the universally thought of number one overall pick once he gets to the league? And I think that was what was so impressive his rookie season was just how much improvement from his last game at Oregon to his first game with the Chargers because he looked like a totally different player. And even coming off of a couple of rough games, Justin Herbert has exceeded every expectation. I mean, he's launched himself into superstardom in the NFL before the last couple of weeks. I mean, he had one of the hottest stretches you're going to see from a quarterback where he had legitimate MVP talks going on around him. And it was way too early in the season. But when you put together what he has physically And just being able to also make the plays late in games to win the Chargers games, because that's been one of the biggest things this season was in the Chargers wins, having been a team that lost so many one score games and the last game didn't really feel like a one score game before that garbage time touchdown. But like the first game against Washington, making all of the throws towards the end of the game to keep the ball in the Chargers hands, run out the clock with over six minutes left in the Dallas game. He even, you know, had the go ahead touchdown that was called back by a penalty, but that would have probably given them the win there. And then you have games like the Cleveland Browns, where he throws for 208 yards just in the fourth quarter, right? And leads them to a win in that game as well. Leads them to a win against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think those have been the biggest surprises. But I think exceeding all expectations is definitely something that's fitting for Justin Herbert at this point in his career. 
one of the things we always talk about is Jalen Hurts kind of in this young quarterback type of mold going against other young quarterbacks. You look at the coaches, you have two rookie head coaches. What have you seen out of Brandon Staley's offense? I know he's been regarded as one of the best play callers so far this season. Tell us where they're going to hit you, how they use motion. I'm really intrigued at what Staley has done. And people in Philadelphia are quite upset. He never took an interview here. Yeah, and I mean, supposedly he was going to, right, and then decided Mm -hmm. not to. I mean, Nick Sirianni had a pretty good opening press conference himself, but I would say that for the Chargers, I mean, it's Joe Lombardi pulling the strings. I think Brandon Staley obviously has a defensive mind, the former defense coordinator of the Rams leading them to a number one defense, has let Joe Lombardi, you know, run his offense, which is some version of the Saints, right, which is Mm -hmm. Joe Lombardi spent 10-plus years with Drew Brees and Sean Payton in New Orleans. But it's supposed to be right at its best. A Saints offense that doesn't have a Drew Brees, you know, late, late in his career, having to make, you know, three yard passes at a time to get down the field. And I think for the Chargers, they use a lot of motion. They want to try to figure out, you know, man zone, all of those things pre-snap. Another thing they've liked to do a lot this year is go hurry up, especially on third down. And I think that's one thing that was more effective earlier in the year and hasn't been as much the last couple of weeks. And part of that, I think, has just been a lack of opportunity, not getting the big third down catch to keep the drive going and get things into a rhythm. But that's one thing that they love to do to keep the defense from not being able to get subs on the field, to keep the defense from kind of being able to see what's out there and then making an adjustment to try to attack it. After second down, if it's if it comes up short, they're getting up to the line of scrimmage. They want to catch you off guard a little bit, and they have a lot of times. They've gotten a lot of easy first downs that way. But I think for me, the biggest question for the Chargers offense is can they find those explosive plays again? Because last week they had a couple of explosives in the running game, a 75-yard run by Justin Jackson, a 28-yard run by Austin Eckler. But it was a pretty stagnant offense, I mean, over the last two weeks for the Chargers, the last two games, I should say, for the Chargers. So they have to get back to what was making them good, which is obviously letting Justin Herbert, when he is getting the right looks, push the ball down the field, hit those 15 to 20-yard gains that he had so many of over the first few weeks and I think a lot of that's going to come down to the protection because one of the things you saw last week Justin Herbert did not look comfortable beside behind that offensive line his mechanics got sped up he missed some easy throws that he normally makes but Joe Lombardi's offense has a lot of option routes things like that they want to speed you up they want to go tempo they want to catch you off guard but it's been kind of hard to tell that over the last couple of weeks where they've really really struggled And going against the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the strong suits has been that defensive line. Would you say that that offensive line and how they played the last couple weeks is going to be one of the deciding factors in the result of this game if they can protect Justin and if they could get that run game moving against an Eagles defense that has given up a lot of yards on the ground? Yeah, and I mean, I think for the Chargers, they're still trying to figure out, can we be a team that commits to the run like that, right? Because one of the things that's hurt them the last couple of weeks is that Tampa 2 defense that teams have been throwing out against them. It's almost like he's getting the Patrick Mahomes treatment, right? Where they're just saying, we're not going to let you beat us deep. We're going to make you take the check downs. We're going to make you do it a little bit at a time, and we're going to dare you to run. And it did leave to a couple of explosive plays last week, but like, and Chargers ran state when I do this, outside of the two big runs, I mean, they averaged around three yards a carry for that game. So, like, it wasn't a consistent effort throughout the game. They did have a couple of individual players with some great individual efforts, but they still haven't shown to be that team where we're just going to pound the rock because you have the safety so far off the line of scrimmage or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, Storm Norton in general, their right tackle, a guy who's filling in for Brian Bulaga, who I'd be surprised if we saw any significant action from him, you know, this season after a couple of surgeries. 
he's been the third worst tackle as far as pressures given up so far this year. So, I mean, it's an obvious weak point. Teams go into the week knowing that's where you want to attack the Chargers offensive line, which is crazy because you have a rookie left tackle in Rashawn Slater that I don't think anybody really wants a part of. But the interior of the Chargers offensive line has been pretty good. Matt Filer and Corey Lindsley have been really, really good, solid pickups for the Chargers in a you know 10-year process of trying to put together a competent offensive line. But when you have such a big weak spot like that in just such an obvious place where other teams can attack, it's tough when you get yourself in those obvious passing situations, right? So I think that's going to be huge for the Chargers. They don't have to run the ball for 180 yards this week, but can they get themselves in enough situations where the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles can't just, you know, pin their ears back and get after it. If they can get into less obvious passing situations, I think it's going to help the Chargers offense a ton. But if they get stuck in all the, I mean, I think their average distance last week was like third and eight yards. Like that's just, you can't live there, especially against talented defensive lines. But yeah, I mean, that's going to be a huge factor in this game. How well this Chargers offensive line holds up against a very talented defensive front. Let's switch to the Chargers defense before you ask me questions in segment three on the Eagles. We know the big glaring weakness of the Chargers is that run defense. They're currently ranked last in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders, in DVOA, which measures efficiency ratings. Just how bad has that run defense been? And for an Eagles offense that put out quite the performance, I would expect them to continue to run it on the ground. And then that opens up questions on the back end where the Chargers are so quick. Can they figure that balance out between their defensive line and their back seven to really get things together going into this week? I mean, I think last week the defensive front showed up a little bit better, but then at the end of the game, you let the Patriots run seven minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that was the part where it was really hurting them in the run defense game, especially when you knew it was coming and you were still giving up, you know, four or five yards of carry. And I think that is huge. I mean, and it's one of those rare instances like, whether you look at the analytics or just the raw numbers, like the Chargers are terrible defending against the run. And some of that's built into Brandon Staley's defense of running, you know, two deep safeties. He wants teams to try to run on them. But, I mean, it's hard to do that, you know, to dare teams to do that when they're like, yes, we will do that, and we'll do it at six yards a clip, right? So that's been a huge issue for them. And I think one of the things you saw last week, especially in that long, time-consuming drive where the Chargers had a chance to get off the field, get the ball back to their offense in a one-score game, when you're letting teams do that against you, you're not giving your pass rushers enough time to get home, right? And when you're giving teams third and threes, third and twos, it really neutralizes what Joey Bosa can do off the edge, right? Maybe you rush them on the interior, give them more opportunities there. But when you keep giving up these big chunks and keep giving easy third down situations where it's not an obvious run or pass situation, it's one of those things where like the guys aren't able to get home. But as much as the Chargers have had trouble stopping the run this week, I mean, they have a lot of issues because they lost their two starting corners last week in Asante Samuel Jr. and Michael Davis. And as we're recording this right now, we have no idea what their status is, right? We just know one has a hamstring injury. Asante Samuel Jr. was in the concussion protocol. So even though, you know, obviously going into it, the run defense seems like a big issue, I'm a little bit worried about the Chargers secondary in this one too, even though you look at the numbers and they've been pretty good. Absolutely. And the last question I will ask you, Give us one of the big names, or not a big name, rather. We know the big names. We know the Bosa's. We know the Derwin Jameses. We know the Nasir Adderley's. An X factor on that defense that you think could really cause the Eagles' offense headaches. I think it's Drew Tranquil. I mean, I think it's the Chargers linebacker, Drew Tranquil, who didn't even go into this year as a starting linebacker. Missed pretty much the entire 2020 season 
uh, due to injury, got hurt on the first series of the first game in 2020. But he has made himself a factor on this defense, and he had to play himself into it. Like, he had to go and earn that role. He didn't start out as a starter. It was Kazir White and Kenneth Murray. Now Kenneth Murray's down, but Drew Tranquil has absolutely earned that spot. And I think at linebacker, especially with the Chargers run defense, he is a guy that makes a difference there. He's a guy that has great instincts to blow up screen passes, to chase down open field ball carriers. And I think he is has the kind of you know athleticism to be a factor in a game like this where you're going to see some RPOs. You're going to have to chase down Jalen Hurts at times. And one of the things that he's done really well is blitzing. And one of the things that the Chargers love to do is blitz Drew Tranquil to try to free up Joey Bosa for one-on-one opportunities. And that has been where Bosa has had most of his success. So even though Drew Tranquil doesn't go down as a statue, you know, for having a ton of pressures, having a ton of sacks or anything like that, it's definitely made a difference for the Chargers pass rush. So I think for this game specifically, if the Chargers are to improve in some of the areas that have really hurt them, I think Drew Tranquil is going to have to have a big game. Absolutely. And after we come back from a message from our friends at Bet Online, we will be discussing, excuse me, my voice cracked there because I'm so <laughs> excited for this game. But when we come back, our friend will be asking me, Gino Camilleri, questions on the Philadelphia Eagles. And Dan is ready for this game, this out-of-conference matchup between the Lockdown Eagles and Lockdown Chargers podcast. Our friends over at Bet Online are always sponsoring our two shows throughout the entire year. They continue to be your number one spot for all basketball and football action. I can't get over the player props and how you can just make your own. I've never seen any company do that. And right now, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using that promo code locked on and make sure you get that welcome bonus. It's free money, free to bet with on anything from basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 and soon to be 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, guys. Well, it's back here on Crossover Thursday. Locked on Chargers here with Daniel Wade, here with Gino Camilleri of the Locked on Eagles podcast. And it's time for me to get into the Eagles with Gino. And I have some questions for him going into this game because, I mean, really a lot of my questions usually come from concern, you know, for the Chargers. But I want to start things on the opposite side of things because every week I go into games knowing like, okay, this is what I'm afraid of. If I'm the Chargers, I know what I'm afraid of. This is what I'm afraid gets exposed. And we've seen it in the last couple of weeks, you know, Lamar Jackson, Bill Belichick running the football against them. That was obvious. But when you're looking at the Eagles going into this matchup, what is a, an area or a weakness that you're afraid could get exposed by the Chargers? I, I really do think that the running game in Austin Eckler could really take advantage of them. And you mentioned Jackson as well. This off or the defense rather is built much like Staley's is where they're going to give you those run lanes. They're going to rush for, and they're going to let things spill back to those linebackers. And if the guys in the secondary aren't in position, you guys could eat us up on the ground all day long, which then opens up the play action a little bit for Justin Herbert. And when you have to drop one down into the box and leave those weapons open on the back, that's when the Eagles have been exposed. And their defense, as good as they are last week, it was a Detroit offense. When they've played those top-caliber teams, the Bucks, Kansas City, Dallas, they've just been manhandled on defense. So they have to continue to make those adjustments 
in those formations, show sometimes where they're dropping seven, eight in the box, but then drop them out into coverage. They're going to have to confuse you on defense because the offense is better personnel wise when it comes to man to man matchups than the Eagles are on the back end. So I really think if the Eagles can shut down that run game, and like you said on the segment prior to this, keep the Chargers in those second and long, third and long situations, then you could play within your defense. But if it starts to get where you have to play outside of your defense and do things that you aren't comfortable doing, that's when the Eagles have been at their worst. So if the Eagles can't stop the run early, it could be a very long day once again. And I'll give you kind of the same question that you gave to me on the other side. When you're looking at this Eagles defense, obviously you know that there's someone that has to step up. There's some players, you know, obviously Darius Slay, and I'll talk about him in a little bit. I mean, one of my favorite players. I mean, he had a great matchup with Keenan Allen a couple years ago with the Lions. But there's obviously some question marks and some lesser experienced players that aren't, you know, Darius Slay or Fletcher Cox or, you know, other more notable names. So if you think there's a guy that could come up big, like if the – Eagles defense is to have a really good performance. Who is kind of the unsung hero that you could see it being? I think it could be the guy who was the hero of the week last week being the edge rusher, Josh Sweat, because he took advantage of an inferior right tackle, which you had mentioned is a week. <laughs> yeah. I see your eyes light up right there. Yeah. He finished the day two and a half sacks. He couldn't be stopped. He was lining up in that five tech inside four eye position between the guard and the tackle, he has freak athleticism, he has freak length, and he just got a big contract and is going to be the Eagles' top pass rusher moving forward after Brandon Graham is gone. Derek Barnett is on his last year of his rookie deal, and it doesn't look like they're going to sign him back. You have to win those one-on-one matchups because we know Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, will be doubled all day long. Right. You can't double three to four guys. It just does, You don't have the numbers there. So Josh Sweat, if he could get there and make Justin Herbert a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket, that's when the Eagles' back end has started to make plays. They've started to come away with interceptions from their cornerbacks. They've come with pass breakups because they've made the quarterback hesitate for that split second where when the front wasn't getting there, and a quarterback can just eat you up, make the throws that he has to make and hit the open guys, it's tough for the Eagles to make defensive stops when they're allowing all those yards after the catch. And Keenan Allen lives in that world. So if you could stop that by getting home with that front four, able to keep seven back in coverage, that's when the Eagles have shown that they are the best. But if the pressure doesn't get there, we're right back to square, what, square one where we don't know what we're doing once again. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And I think the concerning thing with the Chargers last week is even when the pressure wasn't getting there, you could tell the internal clock for Herbert was already sped up, right? And at that point, he was already making rush decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's what had led to a lot of the big mistakes. But I talked about the Darius Slay-Keenan Allen matchup. I mean, their matchup in Detroit a couple of years ago is one of my favorite corner wide receiver matchups that I've seen. But obviously, the Chargers have Mike Williams, too, who outside of the last couple of games is, you know, was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL through the first five weeks. So do you think Keenan Allen is going to get a shadow treatment? Is that something that Darius Slay is doing? Or do you think it's going to be kind of a committee effort? Well, the thing is, I mean, Keenan's going to be in the slot at times. And our second best corner of the season has been our nickel cornerback being Avante Maddox. He's right. in a contract year. He's trying to get paid. He came up with a huge tipped ball, which Darius – or fumble, which Darius ended up taking to the house last week. He's been around the football all day. 
And Darius, outside of maybe one or two times, he doesn't really shadow guys that often. That's not what Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, absolutely. Jonathan Gannon really doesn't like to fit that mold, and rightfully so, because if you can play a quarters-type scheme where Steven Nelson has safety help a majority of the time, and your two top corners being Avante and Darius can hold their own in man, I don't really think there's a need to shadow. But if Keenan Allen starts to rip off eight, nine yards a clip and the Eagles are playing back and they're just letting him open up in zone coverages, I think there's a chance that you might see a more aggressive man-style type of play. And they've done that after halftime a few times this season where they've been able to make those adjustments, switching from that soft pillow type of zone where they'll let anything in that cushion to pressing you at the line, which has reaped benefits from them. And seeing interceptions from cornerbacks after only having one last season is something I will take all day long. And getting Justin Herbert off of his mark, I think, is instrumental in winning this game. Because if he could just sit there, make those reads. I saw what he did at Oregon against zone defenses when he could hit you in those split coverages down the field and make you guess. Kid can hit home. He has unbelievable arm strength, and the Eagles have allowed some explosive plays on the back end this year. And the Chargers need to get back to that. But, yeah, I mean, between Darius Slade, Mike Williams, Avante Maddox, Keenan Allen, I mean, there's definitely going to be some really good matchups. I mean, Keenan Allen against anybody, like, obviously you like his chances, but you are going up against a team that is kind of specifically, you know, ready to deal with those kind of issues. So for you in this game, just on a general sense, like, what do you think, has to go right because the Eagles have been an inconsistent team, right? And the Chargers have to some extent as well. So, like, if the Eagles were to go out and win this game, like, what do you think has to go right? I mean, you talked about Justin Herbert getting him off his spot. I mean, that's true. And that that is huge. And last year, he was really good under pressure. And, like, he still has that in him, right? But we have seen him get sped up. And a, a defensive secondary's best friend is a good pass rush. Like, having a good pass rush can cover up so much stuff on the back end. And the Chargers have run into that when they're not getting home. So what do you think has to go right for the Eagles for them to go win a game in which they're currently the underdog, even though it's slightly. It has to be that give and take between the offense and the defense. And you saw that last week when the defense was able to create interceptions, the offense capitalized the previous two weeks on two occasions. in each of those games, they went six straight stretches of really not scoring three and outs for a multitude of those stretches. The offense couldn't get going. Then your yep. defense get tired, and then it's just a snowball effect. Chargers had the same thing last week. Eight drives where they had two interceptions, four punts, end of half, and a field goal. Like, it's just too long of a drive. You can't have it. Yeah, yeah that'll kill a game. And for the Eagles offense, which is predicated on, I think, just quick timing routes, getting guys in space, they have at times gone to trying to hit downfield. And especially in this type of matchup where you're going to play against a Staley Rand defense where you're not going to have that open, even with three or four guys, Jalen Hurts has been chaotic in the pocket. And that you talk about the mental clock with with Jalen uh, or Justin Herbert getting off his mark. If Jalen does that, creating outside of structure, it was good in the beginning of the season, but hasn't been so great down the stretch if he can complete passes quickly get out into a rhythm and the Eagles offense can dominate in the run game and out physical their opponent which I think they could very much so with that healthy unit coming back Jordan Mailata just gets the knee brace 
off of his leg at left tackle. who be more mobile. He'll be able to kind of anchor that run front. Mm-hmm. If they don't turn the ball over on offense, Jalen Hurts controls and plays within that offense, which he did very well last week. His decision-making was on par, and he doesn't have those silly mistakes, which we have seen in the losses, and the defense can do the exact opposite for Justin Herbert and make him question his decisions. That's how the Eagles win. But if all of those things go wrong, I totally expect an Eagles loss. And I, I can't say anything with confidence yeah. because I don't know what they are week to week. And the one thing I want to see going into this game, and you'll know my mental state based on how this goes, is consistency. Like, can they just consistently maintain a drive? Can they get into the Chargers territory? Even if they stall out, get some points. Don't go three right. and out. Don't allow the Chargers to pick up third and 13s. Don't allow them to break off eight, nine yards on every zone type of dump off. Then I'll be okay. But right now I'm a little nervous going against Justin. It's been quite some time since I've uh, had to worry about him. And this is the first (laughs) time ever that I have to cheer against the guy. So we'll see how it plays out on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's funny because it's like almost the exact inverse, you know, for the Chargers to have success against the Eagles. Like if they cannot get dominated at the line of scrimmage, right? If they and that's the thing, like for the Chargers defense, what I've been asking for is like, hey, you don't have to really even be good, but right. you have to do enough, right? You have to get a tackle for loss every once in a while. You have to put Jalen Hurts in some third and twelve situations, and once you get mm-hmm. there, yeah, your pass rushers, you know, obviously are in much better situations. Obviously, you still have to keep contained, but. It is just funny because, like, that is going to be the crux of this game when it's all said and done. It's going to be one probably in the trenches. If the Eagles can dominate the line of scrimmage offensively, if they can keep getting themselves into these situations where you let Jalen Hurts play within the offense and take these easy, quick passes, it's going to be a long day for the Chargers defense. So I do think it is going to be a really good matchup. Like, as much as, you know, it could seem like a much better 4-3 and team or a 3-5 and team, I'm not really seeing it that way, just especially with how these two teams are built. But I do think that it's going to be a very, very competitive matchup. And the Chargers, you know, should, you know, absolutely have a great chance to win this game. But there's obviously some things we just talked about, which will give them a really, really hard time. But I think we can expect some fireworks for sure in this matchup. I do, too. And I tell every host and every fan of the opposing teams that Lou and I always say this is a Sunday ticket team. The team against them is either going to score a boatload of points and your fantasy team is going to be loving it, or it's just going to be a boat race between the two teams and it could play out this week. And that absolutely could be the case. I do think it is going to be a very good game. Both teams could reap incredible rewards from a win in this game. I don't like to make predictions, but I think that everybody's going to have a good time on Sunday and it's going to be a fun (laughs) game. I don't think either team is going to be dominated to the point where it's like, oh, this is... They're going to turn it off in the yeah. yeah the second quarter like they did with the Lions last week. Two teams going in two different directions, I would say, in terms of yeah. organizational philosophy right now. The Chargers are in that competitor territory. The Eagles are in a rebuild. But, Dan, I think that will wrap it up for us here on this Locked Lockdown Crossover Thursday edition of the show with Lockdown Eagles and Lockdown Chargers. Tell everybody where they could find you, Dan. Let them know where to get Lockdown Chargers and all the good work that you do. Yeah, well, let me just say, make sure you guys are subscribing to both of our Locked On YouTube pages, Locked On Chargers YouTube, and obviously Locked On Eagles YouTube page. But you can find me at Dan Talk Sports on Twitter. You can also find the show at Locked On LAC. And, I mean, I'm a big fan of some of those players over on the Eagles. So there's going to be some guys I'm rooting against for the first time over there, too. But I just appreciate everyone checking in on the show today. 
getting in on this matchup because it's going to be a hell of a game. I mean, the Chargers have had like, you know, two games that haven't been decided by, you know, one possession. So I think this is a game that a lot of people are going to watch. And I think we just kind of laid it out here. Like these are the things that are going to decide that game. We just neither one of us has any confidence or, you know, that either team is going to be consistent enough to know exactly what we're going to see. But hey, unknown is fun sometimes hopefully for the charge fans just fun in a better way than it's been the last couple of weeks <laughs> absolutely so and i know that the term chargering is a thing that every game will be close and i expect that Scarred. this game will be Scarred. Yeah, you can I, never feel too confident man and you know that and like oh i know that here in philadelphia too with some of the heartbreaks that we've had but the good news is that i think there's a lot of i'd say compassion and respect between these two teams and out of conference matchup that at the end of the day i don't think it's going to be too too much bad blood the last time sure. we played was the year that the eagles went to the super bowl that was a fantastic game before the chargers but moved Garrett into Blunt. their went off that game my friend and oh my i God. expect a lot of big performances from these weapons on both teams as dan said you could find both of the podcasts on the locked on podcast network where you could also find for your second listen of each and every day the peacock and williamson podcast those two guys have been doing it forever here on the locked on podcast network you know where to find their podcast and download it for free where you could find our podcast as well Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You could get both the Lockdown Chargers and Lockdown Eagles YouTube pages simply by going to YouTube and searching both of them. We're putting up five shows each and every week here in season. That'll wrap it us wrap it up for us here on this crossover edition of the Lockdown Eagles and Lockdown Podcast, Lockdown Chargers Podcast. <laughs> excuse me. We are the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team each and every day. I'm Gino Camilleri, Daniel Wade. That'll wrap it up for us here on Crossover Thursday.